Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, if you remember what we talked about, guys, um, last week, it was the beauty of simplicity when it comes to the spiritual gifts. I mean, we've been kind of hanging out in chapter 14 talking about the gifts, and it's been really, really, really good. Remember what Paul says, something we need to take home, something we need to pack with us. He says, desire, what does he say? He says, desire, right, the gift of tongues, Okay, so you'll go, why? Because remember, it edifies you, and you want to desire those things. You want to speak in tongues. As a matter of fact, uh, it was so funny. Last week after I preached this message, Talia came up to me. She goes, Daddy, did you know that I spoke in tongues one time? I said, really? She goes, it was in Bible college, and I spoke, and it was the most beautiful Hebrew, and and Sister Robin interpreted, and she goes, it kind of scared me. I said, it really did. She said, it kind of scared me, and that's the whole point. Paul says, no, don't be scared. Desire. Desire these gifts. It's going to edify you. Sometimes we, we're just like, oh my goodness, I didn't, I didn't, oh, oh, I don't understand. And Paul says, no, desire that says, but he also desire prophecy. He says, desire prophecy. Why? Prophecy is more important because tongues edifies you, but, but, but prophecy is going to edify the body of Christ. It's going to encourage us. It's going to comfort in this journey through life. Did you see what Natalie just spoke? She just spoke, she spoke edification and comfort. She told you, listen, whatever you're going through, God is real. He'll walk with you through that. Trust me. I am a li-. and, and that was, that was using the gift of prophecy. Now, it wasn't, thus saith the Lord, right? That's a prophet Old Testament. You know, this was, listen, I want to encourage you. I want to comfort you. I know you're going through stuff. The journey of life is hard. This is what Paul tells us. Paul says, man, but it has to be encompassed in what? In love. In love. Sometimes we speak the truth. Can I get an amen? But we don't speak it in love. We just say it harsh, and we're ugly, and we're mean, and, but it's the truth, shouldn't I say? No, it needs to be what? The Bible says to speak the truth, but speak the truth in love. Love. Well, guys, Paul continues his teaching under the power of the Holy Spirit, and what he wants to do is he wants to what? He wants to connect us with what we call orderly worship. You see, the church at Corinth, guys, man, it had a number of difficulties, Man, this church struggled. Man, it was a mess. And of course, we know that one of the areas they had was basically they were having difficulty in their public worship. And starting in chapter 11, it started with communion. But you guys remember the story, right? They would have communion, but before communion, before they would have church and communion, which they partook in the body of Christ, they would have what we call a pot blessing. Some people call it potlucks. I don't know if you believe in luck or not, but it was pot blessing. It's where everybody brings food and we sit down and we fellowship and it's just so wonderful. The problem was is that the rich people, the more affluent people would come in and they would eat all the filet mignon first and then they would leave whatever was left for the poor people. The poor people would come in and say, man, I didn't have a ride. Where's the food? What? All we have is crackers and peanut butter. Are you kidding me? What? What's going on? Paul says, guys, no, no, no. He, he says, no. And, and he says, now, listen, and, and not only that, he says, there were people getting drunk before coming into service, which blows my mind. Now, there have been drunk people in this church before. I don't think they got drunk. I don't think they were saved. They just came in drunk, if you know what I mean. And so, and so, but, but Paul says, no, he, and he corrects them. He says, no, 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 people matter. People matter. If you get nothing else out of this sermon, you need to remember that people matter. 
and that there's people in your lives that you go, man, they're created in the Imago Dei, they're created in God's image, you matter. And I don't care what the world tells you. I don't care what the world says. You're a loser. You've been a loser. You're a pastor. You're a loser. Listen, you matter. People want to feel loved. People want to feel accepted. And so that's what Paul says. He says, this is, is people, people matter. And then in chapter 12, in the same line of thinking, he says, now let's talk about the gifts of the Spirit, right? Because they were being exercised in their weekly worship. The only problem is, is their overemphasis in the gifts. In other words, they get together in church, and, and instead of teaching the Bible, like you're all listening, you got your notes out, you're taking notes, you're, you're, you're tuning, you're tracking with me. What they were doing is, is, it was they were overemphasizing the gifts, and they seemed to mis, be misusing the gifts or actually abusing the gifts. Right? And, and in my mind, I mean, I have seen some YouTube videos. I have seen some church services. I have been in some church services that got a little crazy, and I had no idea what was going on. And I could imagine. And this was the church at Corinth. This was the church at Corinth. Now, check it out. There were some, there were some gatherings, guys, some church services that were really, really powerful, and there would be speaking in tongues. Others would say, no, 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 I have a word from the Lord, and they would interrupt the tongues, and they would interrupt these meetings, and as a matter of fact, what, what seemed like church was really chaotic and, instead of edifying. There's a lot of chaos going on. Now, here's what we need to know. Here's what I want to, I, I, need, to, I need you to put your thinking caps on because uh, as we go through the text, it'll make sense. You guys, you ready? Give me an idea. Okay, thinking caps. Jesus Christ established the church. Okay, so Paul went out and he was doing what God said. He says, I'm going to establish a church. I'm going to create a church. So he goes to Corinth and he creates a church. Now, they didn't have a pattern of a church before that. All they had was the pattern of the synagogues. You understand? Okay, in Jewish synagogues, what would happen is they would come in and the women would sit on one side of the room and the men would sit on the other side of the room. This was really the pattern of the Jewish synagogue. Okay, the rabbi would get up and read and the women couldn't say anything in a Jewish synagogue. Well, Paul, okay, so, so when you look at this, it seems like the Corinth, the church at Corinth, not a synagogue, the, co- the church at Corinth kind of took on that same pattern, okay? So if we were to go to early Corinth, okay, um, and we would come in, it would be a church service, but all of a sudden they would be separated. The women would go to one side, the men would go to another. This was church. You go, oh, they didn't know how to do church, but two things come to mind when I think about this. You go, what's that? Do you realize that some churches today still do that? Very orthodox churches will come in and women with head coverings will go to one side of the church and men will go to the other. When I heard about that, I was like, what? But that's what they did. You go, what's the other thing? Well, here's what I want you to know. The other thing that comes to mind is based upon the text, it seems like Corinth was following this same pattern. You guys tracking with me? Say, okay, why, Pastor? Well, this is important based upon verse 34. Verse 34. Now, let me just say this. I'm probably going to say it again. I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's in my mind. Remember, we have to teach in context. Everybody say context. Why is that important? Because if we take anything out of context, we make it a pretext, and then we can make it say anything we want it to say. Can I get an amen? I know the women in here in just a few minutes are going to go, amen, pastor, right? Because what Paul actually says is that the women are not permitted to speak in church. You go, what? 
We'll get to that in just a moment, right? I've piqued your interest. Women are not supposed... I'm not supposed to speak? Okay, hold on. Back up. Reel it in. Now, if we're taking notes, remember, okay, chapter 12, yes, sir, deals with the unity and the diversity of gifts. Chapter 13 deals with the power of love. And every time I see the power of love, I can't help but think of Huey Lewis in the news. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you. Right? Or back to the future. It's the power of love. Just saying. I'm just saying. Every time I see it on my notes, I'm like... Don't get out my head. And in chapter 14, Paul comes back and he deals with the specific gifts of prophecy. Now, I lost about half of you. Like the kids are like, who's Huey Lewis? Is he like, is that, is he related to Donald Duck? Is he one of the, I'm, the older ones, the 80s, psh, those are the ones that go, yeah, I remember that. Anyway, I don't know where I'm going. Verse, verses 1 through 25 of chapter 14, guys, we talked about this last week. It's the beauty of simplicity, right? Tongues and prophecy. Tongues and prophecy. Today, we're going to see the beauty of simplicity part two, but we're going to see orderly worship. Why? Because we can take all of chapter 14 and just, and then just put it, it, Paul's just trying to make it really, really simple, okay? Listen, the reality of this church's worship was, was really more of a disorder of worship. And Paul says, okay, okay, you wrote to me. I can understand what's going on. I could picture the scene. And he says, let me just write to correct so you guys can move forward. That's what Paul is saying. Now, you might be going, Ben, 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 I got a question. How is this church service a disorder of worship? I mean, there's an order of worship. How is this? And that's a good question, okay? Think about this, okay? When the church started, okay, right, after the worship, if you will, when the church started, anyone who felt like they wanted to speak or seeing in tongues would randomly do so, right? And so I would get up and then say, Brother Jesse would say, no, I've got a word from the Lord. And as Jesse's saying from the word from the Lord, I'm trying to, I'm trying to navigate through. Well, then Lisa would get up and start speaking in tongues. And I'd be like, hold on. And, and then all of a sudden, Mel's back there and he's going, no, I've got a word. Do you guys understand how chaotic it would be? And, and, and the, the pastor's going, okay, hold on, wait, whoa, 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 does anybody have a, okay, and, and, but what would happen is I think he would allow it because it looked real spiritual. What's going on in there? Oh man, church is going on, hallelujah, do you see that? And we get so emotional and so wrapped up when we call it church, but nobody walks out edified. Okay, nobody walks out edified. Some people speaking in tongues, and it was chaotic and confusing. Paul says, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. He says, let me give you the general principle. You go, what's that? He said, worship, church, should be done decently and in order. You go, whoa, 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 what do you mean? Well, let's look quickly, because here's what Paul does. Paul gives us the principle, and then we'll go back and we'll see how he taught us that principle. Look at verse 39 and 40 real quick, okay? This is key. Paul says, therefore, and whenever you see a therefore, we'll go back all the way to verse 26, but he says, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. This is the principle, guys. This is the foundation in which we stand. Paul gives us the principle verse in this teaching. What's that? Let all things be done decently and in order. 
Why? That's a good question. Why, Pastor? Well, he answers that actually in verse 33, when he says, For God is not the author of confusion, but peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So he's telling us. Paul says, okay, guys, listen, when it comes to church, he says, your worship your worship services are confusing, they're chaotic, and everyone thinks they are super spiritual, but in reality, nobody's being edified. Nobody's growing in Christ. Nobody's walking out of church service with hearts more like Christ. And that is the goal of church. The goal of church isn't to go, Pastor Ben was so funny today. I really love that illustration. Pastor, oh man, oh, I really love the worship. Boy, they can play. That's not the goal of church. The goal of church is when you walk out that door, you are more like Jesus. You know Jesus. That's the whole goal that you go, man, I had an encounter with God. That's what it's all about. See, and again, in Corinth, that was a wild church service. And you could imagine, you could imagine people standing up, speaking in tongues. You could imagine prophesying. You could imagine people go, I have a word from the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Be quiet. I'm talking. And it would just be crazy. And I could imagine, and it's just like, whoa, 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 slow, slow down, dude. And I know what you're thinking. You might be thinking, okay, Pastor Ben, I understand Corinth. That was crazy. He says, but if it's not happening in our Sunday morning services, where could we exercise the gifts? Because Paul said, desire the gifts, and I want to use the gifts, and I want to prophesy. I feel like God's put something in my heart, and, and how do I do this, okay? Well, at Calvary, guys, we have from time to time what we call afterglow services, Okay, and afterglow services is we usually do this on a Sunday night, okay, and we're just giving a place for the Holy Spirit to move through us in prayer, tongues, and exhortation, okay? People find it really awkward because they don't understand the gifts, and so we come in and we say, okay, we're going to be real quiet before the Lord, and about two minutes go by and people start getting fidgety because they're not used to quiet, and we just wait, we wait on the Lord. And then somebody, God puts in somebody's heart, and he'll get up and says, in Psalm 42, and he'll read, or she'll read, and, and it's just an edification. And sometimes the Holy Spirit moves, and someone speaks in tongues, and we'll wait for the interpretation, or, or, or there might be a, thus say, there might be a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, but it's exercised beautifully in between worship. And you go, wow, we need to have one. I know. We need to have one of those. But it's a special service. And you go, well, why don't we, well, why don't we, we don't do it on Sunday morning because on Sunday night, it's less likely to have visitors who don't understand what's going on. Sunday morning, you guys have done a great job by going, hey, you know, what are you doing Sunday? You want to go to church with us? Hey, do you have a church to fill? Do you want to come? And, and most of the time, they might be unbelievers. Now, why do I say that? I say that really specifically because there's a lot of people who will claim to be Christians, but they're really not. Okay, and they go, oh, no, well, I, what's the first thing? Hey, do you, do you know Jesus? And they go, well, I go to this church. I didn't ask you what church you go to. Do you know Jesus? But I, that's our fallback. I get it. I'm, I don't blame them. But a lot of us, we want to avoid that question because then we're convicted. And we're like, man, I don't know if I have a real walk with God. I have a real walk with God. And you guys do a great job inviting people. And so we want to be very sensitive to our guests. And, not, and, 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 and so we don't, we don't really do speaking in tongues. We don't do prophecy, although the gift of prophecy is being, is being exercised from the pulpit and actually you guys in fellowship. 
See, y'all think we just buy donuts because we just, we just buy donuts. We buy donuts so you can have a donut and you can visit and you can use that gift of encouraging somebody. My sister Lisa has been through a lot in her life. She can encourage. She knows Jesus. My brother Paul, you guys understand that. So it's being exercised. It's being exercised. So what about our text, Ben? Well, again, you've heard me say this if you're taking note. The, the message is the beauty of simplicity, orderly worship, and you go, why? Well, today we discover the Apostle Paul is going to give instructions for weekly worship service, and the application is simple. We will have, from time to time, people who visit our church, and they'll ask about who we are, what we do, and then they'll ask, do we believe in the speaking of tongues? Do we believe that the gifts of the Spirit? And they will wonder why we're not exercising the gifts as a church on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night, okay? But when we learn what the Bible says about it, it'll help us give a good answer to those who are seeking, Okay, someone comes in and goes, well I, well, I went to your church. I really liked it. I thought your pastor was great and worship was wonderful and the children's ministry, they treated, and you had donuts. It's amazing. But why didn't you? And then you could go to the word of God and you go, here's why. Let me show you biblically why we don't do this. And you go, oh, and this is what Paul is going to teach. This is what we want to give a good answer, guys, to those who are seeking. Now, remember last week, Paul says, Speaking in tongues will edify you. It will. Desire that. Get in your prayer clause. God, I want all that you have for me. Give me the gift of tongues. Okay? He says that in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians. He says, for you have the ability to speak in tongues. The word is glossius, languages. You will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it would all be mysterious. So who are you talking to? You're talking to God. Amen. Yeah, you're talking to God. You're talking to God. Now, you speak in tongues every day. Oh, I do not. The word is glossia. You speak in English when you speak to God, when you pray. And you pray in English, right? If you're, if you're speaking the praises of God in English and a Russian person who knows no English will not understand you. Do you guys get It's really simple, but it's the praises of God. Now, the problem is, is that sometimes, and I'm going to step away over here, the problem is that sometimes we don't say the praises of God, we complain to God, don't we? I'm not praising God, I'm saying, God, why didn't you do this? And God, why didn't you do that? And how come you're not like, I'm just so upset, and Lord, you should have done this, you should have done this. It's like, no, 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 no. We, just want to, we, we need to keep our mind focused on praising God. But he says, but you should also prophesy. What does that mean? Well, we got we to set our minds away from the Old Testament where we used to say, thus saith the Lord, this is going to happen. You're going to go to Babylon. You know, you got the Jeremiah's, you got the Isaiah's. This is not the prophecy. The prophecy is divine teaching, Holy Spirit-filled teaching, exhortation, encouraging, comfort others in their journey in life. Sister Delilah has two kids now. How awesome would it be as people encourage her? Mom, you're doing a good job. I mean, it's, this is new to her. She knows how to do one. Now she's got two, and it's, she's trying to navigate that. But do you understand how that would help? You go, well, I thought it had to be theological. No, you want to encourage her. Oh, my baby's crying all night. I don't know what to do. We barely made it here today. And, you know, yeah. Sister, Sister Delilah might, might feel like, man, I'm a mess. I'm a mess as a mom. I'm trying to... 
Can I get a witness, moms? You know what I'm talking about? But, but then you got somebody who's been there before and says, that's all right. That's just how it is. Really? Yeah. If you'd have seen me, my kids, I mean, they would, I walked out of the house with one, two different shoes one day. I don't know. I mean, I was like, what? And how many kids did I have? I think I had three, but I only have two here. What's going on? Anyway, the point is, is that's what it is. It's exhorting. It's teaching. It's encouraging. Paul says that in verse 3, but he who prophesies strengthens others and comforts them. And can I just say this? Everyone can exercise these amazing gifts. As a fellowship with each other, guys, we should seek to build up each other. We should seek to encourage our brothers and our sisters. You know the word encourage has courage in it? Encourage means to build, the, to build up in courage to keep walking, to keep moving forward. We should have that. Hey, you can do it, man. You can do it. You know, I used to think that, oh, if I, if I hadn't seen a, a couple at church for a while, um, you know, I don't want to call them, I, you know, I don't want to be, you know, but that's not encouraging. Sometimes you need that encouragement. Hey, how you doing? You doing okay? Hey, we've missed you. You guys all right? I want to just encourage you. Yeah, you know. We think about this, guys. We think that we should, what? We should be comforting each other. We should be comforting each other. Here's why. I love my brother, my brother Mel. I love Mel, but I don't know what's going on in Mel's life privately. I want to be a comfort to him. How do we do that? Sometimes we just go, how you doing? Okay, okay let's play a game real quick, okay? We go, how you doing? What's our go-to word? Good? It doesn't matter what you're going. I'm doing good. I'm Okay. But sometimes when we probe a little bit deeper and we look at him and go, no, really, how you doing? Good. No, no, seriously. And then we have to ask questions, right? right. Jesse, how you doing? Good, good. No, you get along with your wife? Yeah, why? <laughs> just checking, man, just checking. You guys getting along? Still in love? Yeah, okay, good, good. We, we, want, we want to be able to do that because we want to offer comfort. How long have you been married? Oh, he looked at his wife. That's not good. That's not good. How long have you been married? Seven years. All right. They passed the five-year mark. They're all right. Nothing. I've been married 32 years. And I think we can offer some comfort at times in struggles of marriage. Would you agree? And again, that's so we've been through some things, guys. We've been through some things to comfort, to encourage. I have teenagers over here to my left. Hey, I've been a teenager once. So I know what you're going through. And you've got a lot harder than I did. The peer pressure and everything else. So we, we need to be encouraged unto them, right? Here, here's what we do. You see these three right here? We need to be going, guys, come on, man. Stick with it. Trust me, man. Trust me when I say, I know you want to give up. I know life is stinks sometimes. Stick with it. It's just going to be awesome. You're doing it God's way. So that's what he's talking about, right? Every one of us can use the gift. Everyone can use the gift. So now we could jump into our study, okay? We jump into our study, picking it up in verse 26. Paul says, how is it then, brethren? 
Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. He says, let all things be done for edification. Now, here's what I want you to see. In your Bibles, Paul asks a question. He says, what then? What's, what's going on, guys? Right? It's not, he's not going, what then? No, he's telling us he's, he, he wants to get to the, to the heart of it. Now, he's speaking of a weekly worship service in contrast to a special service such as an afterglow. He says, what then? Church starts and everybody has something to talk about, right? Somebody has a psalm and in the midst we have a teaching and one another's calling out a revelation. Another one speaks in tongue and another, he says, no, 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 no. Listen, I think it's safe to say this church was a mess. This church was a mess. Could you imagine, guys, now, now listen, at Calvary Chapel, there are times when, when we close the doors and we say, hey, listen, let's try to keep distractions to a minimum. Here's why. Because here you are, and you're tracking with the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and somebody gets out of church, and they start walking, and everybody goes, and they start looking, and it's just like, you totally lost where you were. Nathalie and I, when we first started going to Calvary Chapel in Santa Fe, we had to sit in the very front row. Because we were so, we'd be like, why are they leaving? Are they mad? What's, what's going on? And we would do that. And I understand in this church service, but we try to keep distraction to a minimum so we can stay tuned with the Holy Spirit, right? But could you imagine? That's a distraction, but could you imagine speaking in saw, Hey, pastor, I've got, a, I've got a word. Can you imagine me going, you know, now, now listen, there are times when I'm like, hey, hey, and I want some dialogue. I want some feedback. I say, it's a good place for an amen, and you say amen. But what if I got up and I said, all right, so is that a good place for an amen? And Jesse goes, hey, let me tell you about the word of God. I was reading in Psalm, and I'm like, dude, seriously, this is podcast. No, calm down. It would be weird. It would be weird. And then Joe, right, Joseph from behind the couch says, I want to say something. I've been here long. He gets behind the pulpit. I'm like, okay. And, and it would be weird. It, that's, and that's what he's saying. He says, so, so you got this. You got this. He says, man, this was a mess. Now, remember the context. What's the context? In verse 6, Paul taught us that tongues were useless without interpretation. He says, and what if I came to you speaking in tongues? What shall I profit you unless I build you up with a revelation and knowledge and a teaching? So here's what we need to understand. Contextually, what's he talking about? He's talking about the tongues and the prophecy. Now he's going to give us great instruction for orderly service. Verse 27. Now he says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, okay, so now you've got a service, let there be two or three or, or three at the most, right? Each in turn. And let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Okay, so let's just say we go, okay, now we got a special church service. Paul says, okay, somebody wants to speak in tongues. There should only be at least two, maybe three at the most. That's what should be speaking in tongues. Why? Here's the reason. So that not everyone is speaking in a tongue. Ready? Trying to look super spiritual. He's saying, no, 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 let's, let's, let, let me just give you some guidelines, okay? Let me give you some ground rules. And, and, and so now you speak in a tongue. Okay, Brother Tony over here to my left speaks in a tongue. He says, oh, okay, hold on, let's wait for the, let's make sure someone ha- can interpret that. You go, why? Well, we just studied it. Because the brother early gets up and he says, you know, start speaking in tongues, and nobody interprets it, then basically the body's not edified, is it? Everybody looks at Tony and goes, wow, he's super spiritual, man. He must be rocking with Jesus. Huh. I wonder what he said. I thought I heard some Italians there. I'm not sure. Maybe it's not Italian. Tony, do you know Italian? No, I don't know any Italian. Huh. 
You know Spanish? No, I don't know Spanish either. I was, you, you guys see? He said, no, 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 we're not edified. And then there are those of us who go, I don't know, Tony thinks he's super spiritual. He's the one always speaking in tongues. Shush. Dude needs to give somebody else a chance. And we get that way. He says, no, no, let there be one interpreter, right? And we should wait on the interpretation. Why? For the edification of the body. Why? Because, okay, jot this down, because tongues is a praise language. And that should be, wow, a praise language. You go, Ben, what if there is an interpreter? We sit here and we wait. Well, see, God chooses the interpreter, and so we wait. And there's no interpretation. You know what we would say, Brother Tony, we love you, but you need to, you need to speak quietly. That's not politically correct, is it? How dare you say, tell one of our, you know, no, no, bro, listen, here's what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, okay, if there's not an interpreter, you're speaking to God, go ahead and speak quietly by yourself. But we're so afraid to offend people. We're so afraid to be like, hey, stop talking. Nobody's praying. You know, we're just afraid. And that's not the Word of God. The Word of God says, no, he's going to say decently in order. I bet the pastor of Corinth was like, finally, we got some instruction. I could be like, hey, is there an interpreter? No? Okay. Talk to God. Talk to God. And then the beauty of simplicity, he goes on. He says, let two or three prophets, okay, speak and let others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Look at verse 32. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Why? For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. Guys, do you see this? He says, okay, here it is. Let two or three prophets speak. Go ahead and do that. Go ahead and use that. And he says, but let others judge. Let others judge. You go, Ben, what's he saying? Here's what he's saying. He says, if somebody is speaking, right, and there's a prophecy, others go, hmm, okay, that's good. That's good. That, that's right. Okay? If I say, okay, I've got a word from the Lord. I have got a word from the Lord. Ready? Pigs can fly. Amen. You would judge. You'd go, um, that's not biblical, dude. That's in the flesh. Where did you get that? Where did you get that? And again, I mean, think about it. Think about it. It's, no, we, we want to what? He says, let others judge that that is the word of God. And then he says, verse 32, and we'll get to that in just a second. He says, let the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Okay, so let me give you, let me give you, some, um, let me give you some scripture references, right? Because we are to test to see if, if the messages come from God. You go, what's that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, it says, To another, the working of miracles, to the other, prophecies, and to the other, discerning of spirits. So there's a gift where you go, hmm, I've got the discerning of spirits. I'm not sure if that's the word of God. I'm not sure if that's from God. Okay, so you have that biblically. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 20 and 21 says, Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. We need to test that. Okay? So the next time a person comes to your house and says, Let me tell you about God, he has, and, and you know the doctrine is wrong, you know what you say? Show me in the Bible where that is, because I want all that God has for me. You show me where you back that up, and here's the word of God. I want to know. Test them. The problem is, guys, is that people, they, they swallow 
what other people are saying, hook, line, and sinker, and they don't test it. Paul tells the Galatians, right? He says, was it Galatians? Um, we, need to be, we need to be testing what's been said from the pulpit by the word of God. Why? Here's why. Listen, when, when pastor says, turn in your Bibles, I want you to see that I'm reading out of the Bible. I want, you need to check it for yourself. Okay? You need to be going, okay. That's the word he said. I, you, you just don't, don't, well, pastor, we trust you. I get it. I love you too. But we need to be Bereans. And we need to be studying the word of God. And we need to be checked. That's what he says. That's what he says. Now, if you're taking note, there's a couple of key thoughts that come right here, okay? Verse 32, he says, remember, okay, the people who prophesy, those who teach, those who exhort, those who encourage, they're what? They're under control. They're not out of control. That right away we go, oh, okay. They can take turns and they can wait and they can even remain silent. Can you believe that? Now, now we have all been, we have all seen, uh-uh, man, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me, and I was out of control, and I needed to speak, and it's like, no, Paul says, no, no, no. When it comes to speaking, that this, this just goes to show you that when a pastor is given 45 minutes, he is subject to 45 minutes. An hour and 15 minutes later, if the pastor's still teaching, you're going, man, you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, man. I mean, an hour... Do you understand? We, we're, we're subject. We can teach the word of God. But sometimes we want to be heard so bad that we claim that we have no control. Oh, brother, spirit took over. Man, double conviction. Man, I was praying with my eyes closed, man, and, and just, it, you know. And, and no, Paul just said, you have control. You have control. Why? He says, because God's not, God's not the author of confusion. Okay? When the gift of prophecy is used correctly, guess what it's going to do? It's going to build up the church and they'll have peace. They'll have peace. And it's a, here's a beautiful side note, guys. He says, as in all the churches. What's he saying? He's saying, in all the churches, right? Orderly worship is taught through all the churches. He's not just pointing out at Corinth and going, man, y'all are messed up, man. You need to do this, and you need to just be really rigid, and you need to be so ritual. He says, no, I'm teaching orderly worship in all the churches, right? Because it glorifies God. Glorifies God. Now we come to verse 34. Everybody look at verse 34. It says, let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. But they are there to what? They are to be submissive, as the law says. Boom. There you go. Okay, Man, we were just in violation of this because I let Nathalie speak. What? Yeah, Paul said, I should have said, no, no, baby, you can't speak. No, 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 no. Since we're a Bible teaching church, let me give you two schools of thought. Okay, I'm going to give you two schools of thought. Some folks believe that verse 33 should have stopped with peace. And then the new verse should have started with, as in all the churches of the saints, let your woman keep silent in the church. Okay? Some people go, okay. Now, some folks believe, okay, that women are not to speak, not to exercise spiritual gifts in the church. Now, I don't believe that. Why? Because that would contradict what Paul taught us. 
And Paul taught us in chapter 11, verse 5, he says, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors the head. So he's going, there are women in the church who pray and prophesy. So he's not going, okay, now these people pray, oh, they shouldn't speak. Paul's like confused. No, he's not. He's not. Okay, let me quickly tell you what was happening and why Paul writes this. Remember in Corinth, they might have been following the Jewish pattern of the church. Okay, so they come in and all the men are on one side and all the women are on the other. Okay, and if you go, if you go to Israel, we go to Nazareth and we actually sit in a synagogue and you can see they had benches all along this side and, and this side. So it would, it would be directly across, kind of like a high, like, like your junior high dance, right? Where they had all the girls on one side, all the boys, and you'd have to walk over all embarrassed to ask the girl to dance. And if she said no, you kind of acted like you didn't really ask, you know? But if she said yes, you're walking out on the gym floor, all cool. Kind of like that, okay? Don't ask me where I got that illustration. But nonetheless, here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. The consensus is, and most of the people I read this week said, what was happening is the pastor was teaching as, as, as he was giving the word of God. The woman was going to her husband. What did he say? She's yelling across the church. I don't understand that. I help me. I'm, I'm confused, right? And he's going, honey, shh, hold on. Let me, hold on. He said, uh, in verse 33, you know, they're going back and forth. And so that's what, and, and so, and so it's really confusion. And, 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 and so he would preach again and his wife would go, could you explain that a little bit more to me, sweetie? I'm, I'm trying to take, what, what was the last point he made? And so it's, it's back and forth. And Paul says, no, no, listen. Here's what he says. He says, and listen, let the women keep silent in the churches. It's confusion. He says, they are to be submissive as the law says. Now, notice 35. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. For it is shameful for women to speak in the church. Now, listen, if we take this out of context, we could make it say whatever we want. And we go, okay, women, you're not supposed to say a thing in church. You're not supposed to prophesy, speak in tongues. This is not a place for you. This is where the men go. And you guys, they've built doctrines on this. Doctrines. That's not, what is, the, what is he saying in context? In context, remember, they were all abusing the gifts, and I believe the women were abusing the gifts and misusing them out of place. Paul does not say that women have no spiritual gifts, nor that they should be slaves to men. Everybody understand that. He teaches the same responsibility to both men and women. Disorderly worship doesn't edify anybody. That's what he's saying. Okay? So, why, why context? Here's why. Remember, if we pulled it out of context, we can build a whole doctrine. No, 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 context. Think about Corinth as a whole. Remember, if you've been tracking with us throughout this whole book, remember Corinth, the women guys were super independent and super free-spirited, okay? This is who they were. They didn't come under any authority. This is Corinth. This is very worldly. Now they get saved, and so they're sort of bringing in that mentality into the church because they haven't been taught yet. And so they're going, well, I'm not really under my husband. I'm, I'm, what, what is that? What, you, what did, you know, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Here I am preaching and Sister Rosa gets up and she's like, what did you say? Can you repeat that again? Right? And I'm like, I lose my train of thought. And you guys understand the context. So Paul says, no, no, no. I think, I think you guys, you need to, you need to keep quiet in church. But the one thing we don't want to pass over 
is I want, I want you to notice what he says about the men. Okay? Though it's the responsibility of the men to answer the questions that their wives ask. You won't believe how many people go, I'm not going to ask my husband. He doesn't know. I'll just go to Pastor Ben. I'll just ask him. That does two things to a man, guys. Listen, yeah, it, it makes you feel real small, you know. Well, I mean, and, and a lot of them, that's cool. Listen, if you've got a question, ask me. I'm, I'm cool with that. But, but what, what women should do is you go to your husband and say, could you help me with this? Even if you know it. And husbands go, listen, I don't know, but I'll find it out. Let me, let me, and I'll call Pastor Ben and ask him, hey, man, what do you say? my wife just asked me this question, what do you think? Oh, go. Yeah. Hey, baby, it's this, this, and this theologically, like propitiation, sanctification, all that good stuff, amen. And she's like, honey, that's amazing. You need to be a preacher. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But the point is, is that there was a time, believe it or not, when Nathalie was growing leaps and bounds, and I was busy in business, that she knew more of the Word of God than I did. But she never disrespected me by looking at me and going, oh, you know, because guys, we get excited. We get excited. Oh, honey, listen to what I learned today. Did you know that God said this? And, and our wives go, yeah, my fourth grader knows that. Seriously? You're learning? No, no, no. You know what we go? We go, oh, honey, that's awesome. That's really good. I'm so proud of you. Keep going. And then women, go ask him a question from time to time. Ask him. So what do you think about the Trinity? No, don't ask him about the Trinity. Just kidding. That's, a, that's, a, that's just, anyways. <laughs> so men, let's be responsible to answer. What does that mean? That means that you have to be the leader to be in church, to take notes, so that when your wife asks you, what did Pastor Ben say? What did Pastor Sof say? You can say, okay, well, here's, what, here's the context and uh, here's what I understood he said. It's so important, right? Because you guys should be dialoguing on the way home about the Word of God. Not about what Pastor wore or how funny he was or anything else, but, but that the Word of God so that you can be edified and you can be closer to Jesus. I can't tell you the amount of stuff I steal from my wife and I look good. My wife will say, you know what I heard today? I heard this teaching, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, really? And then I come up here and go, hey, you know what? You know what God says? And everybody's like, wow, you look good. I, I give her credit. Don't look at me that way. I, I said, I, I learned this from my wife. I've learned. But you guys understand, when you dialogue, when you dialogue in a spiritual way, it's so edifying. It's so edifying. And then she'll tell me. She'll ask me a question. We'll go out, to, we'll go out on a date, and she'll ask me a question. And she'll say, what say you, Pastor Ben? And I'm like, oh, Whichever she calls me Pastor Ben, I'm like, okay, we're going we're gonna to talk about She wants to know. And then I'll have to think, and I'll go, you know what? I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. Or I'll be like, hey, you know what? Think about this, this in the Word of God. Oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't think about that. That's true. That's true. All right, so let's close. We're going to close with verse 36 through 38. It says, or did the word of God come originally from you? Guys, he's going, come on. Or was it you, or, or was it you only that it reached? Question mark. He says, here's the thing, ready? 
If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge the things that I write to you that are the commandments of the Lord. In other words, what he's saying is, listen, I'm not just making this stuff up. He says, I'm getting this from God. You understand that, right? If, you, if, you're, if you're spiritual, you're going, man, that was from the Lord. That was from the Lord. He says, but if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Okay? Here's what Paul is saying. Let me jot this down. He says, if any of you are spiritual, you'll prove it by obeying the word of God. Let me, give you, let me just give you a real quick illustration. You'll obey the word of God by saying, this is what God's word says, not this is what Pastor Ben says. I may say it, I may teach it. You guys understand that? But you're going, this is what the word of God says. This is why I'm going to obey it. This is, this is what he's saying. You'll prove it. You'll prove that you're spiritual by obedience, by obedience. I like what Warren Wearsby writes. He says, quote, note the basic principles for spiritual worship as Paul gives to the church. Okay, here they are. He's going to just, you're just going to break them down for us. He goes, number one, the teaching of the preaching of the word of God takes precedence over everything else. Can I get an Amen. The word of God, the teaching of the word of God. Now, I'm not teaching you my opinion. I'm not using this as a springboard to to talk about culture or what's happening in the world today. Guys, when we say we are a Bible teaching church, we teach what the Bible says. I don't want to stand before a holy God going, yeah, well, you know, I fudged in some areas. I said, this is what the word of God says. I want to, dis- I want to stay. I-, I fear the Lord that way. This is the word of God. Well, what about spiritual gifts? Let's learn the word of God. And we can exercise those. Number two, he says, the church must be built up. We have done, and I say we, not, not our church. The church in general has done a great job of tearing it down. We get so selfish so egotistical that we want it our way that we we tear down the church. That's not what this is for. That's not what it's about. Number three, there must be nothing that would hurt the testimony before unbelievers. Okay? So we don't want want to to cause unbelievers to... to, That's what Warren Wiersbe says. He said there must always be self-control. I love my pastor, Bill. He's my pastor. Every time I ask him a question, you know what he goes? Hmm. And, and sometimes I think he's not listening. Like, he didn't hear me. Right? Because he's like, Bill, did you hear? Uh, let me see how I should answer that. He thinks. Because he's under, he's under the same, you, you guys understand. Sometimes, come on, just me, sometimes we answer too quickly and it's the wrong answer. And I, and I learned that from Bill. Just let me, let me think this through. Let me, let me answer it. I don't have, mm, 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 mm. Everything must be done decently and in order, following the word of God. Warren Wiersbe writes, women are not to exercise authority over men, but to come under the authority to build them up and to encourage them. 
Guys, it's the beauty of simplicity. It's orderly worship service. That's what it's about. This is how we do church. What's the point? To edify and build up and encourage. Life is hard, man. And you know what God called us to do? He called us to, to be a community of believers, to lock arms and to, and to go together to be a family. That's what he called us to do. And we got to encourage each other and say, oh, it's okay. Come on, keep moving. Oh, I heard one of my family members. I heard one of my families heard. Okay, come on, let's go. You got this. You got this. That's what he says. Next week, church, you can't miss because, man, we're going to look at the fifth problem. They, some of the people in Corinth didn't believe in the resurrection. They're tripping, man. And Paul says, okay, let me correct this. But don't worry, we only got two chapters left in 1 Corinthians, but don't worry, we got a whole other book to go. He's going to write a whole other letter to, to Corinth, 2 Corinthians. Amen? Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and the truth in your word. We love you so, so much. You are gracious and compassionate and amazing. And so, God, we thank you. Father, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I often ask... If there's somebody here that doesn't know you in a real and intimate way, like they haven't surrendered their life to you, but you brought them to church to hear the message. And as a matter of fact, through the message, Lord, they were thinking, man, he said a lot of good stuff. I don't know if I have a relationship with, with God like that. I, I don't know. Well, maybe God's here today and he's, and he's knocking on your heart for you to surrender your heart to him. If you do, we always want to give you an opportunity to do that. So maybe you're here this morning and you go, man, I just need to be right with Jesus. If that's you, I want to pray for you real quick before we end in worship. You know, what's that? If you're here today and you're not in a right relationship with God, you don't have a relationship with him, you don't know if you're saved, but you felt something in your heart as the, as the service was going forth and, and, and you said, man, listen, I, I need this forgiveness of sins and I need Jesus to come into my heart. If that's you, I want to pray for you. What I have to do, Pastor, all you have to do is lift up your hand. Nobody will see you. I'll see you. I'll pray for you. And uh, you can just pray a simple prayer to ask God. So if that's you, and you're not right with God, but you want to be today, and God brought you here, he loves you so much, and he has a plan for your life, will you just lift up your hand right now? I just want to give you an opportunity before we end. Father, thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.